Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curve Balls for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good this morning. It's very early. Um, You probably already got your day going because you're on the East Coast, correct? Yes, I am. All right. So today I'm here with Coach Kristen, and I came across uh, her post on Facebook somehow. I don't even remember how that happened, but I love her post. She is a confidence coach to um, very talented and very competitive athletes at a a world-class level, basically, and has a background in swimming. So for my audience, um, who primarily comes from the softball background, they probably don't even know who you are. Could you take a moment to just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, the sports that you played, and your, how you got started with swimming, and um, kind of you know how you got to where you are from there? Sure. Um, my name, my full name's Kristen Shafshunis, but my company is Coach Kristen. I grew up in Pennsylvania, a very small town. Um, growing up, I played um, basketball, baseball, whatever my brother did, really, my big brother. Um, and then at age 12, I started swimming, and it was obsession with swimming from there. Um, I ended up um, swimming college. I swam at the University of Tennessee. But I always like to add that um, I wasn't necessarily good enough um, in high school to swim Division One, but I just believed that if I worked hard enough and I put myself into a great training environment, that um, I could be great too. And so I walked on at the University of Tennessee and 1993, by the way. And then um, I got to walk out in 1997, not only with a BA in psychology, but I was a four-time All-American and I was captain my junior and senior seasons. Um, It didn't take me long to get into my coaching career. I started at the club level um, in 1998 and I did that for a little less than two years. Then I got into my college coaching career. I was an assistant for both men and women at Michigan State for two years. Then I went to SMU in Dallas, where I was the assistant women's coach there for four years. And then in 2006, I became the head coach at the University of Miami, and I was there for seven years. Um, Long story on those seven years, a lot of failure in my first few years, then finally figuring out and figuring out who I am. And in those um, seven years, I also realized I didn't necessarily want to be a coach because I was so much more passionate about the confidence piece and working one-on-one with athletes and not just swimming, but every sport. And so I started my own business, uh, Coach Kristen, in 2013, which unfortunately didn't take off like I thought it would. And right before my quote unquote, mental breakdown (laughs) that I almost had. Um, I got a call from David Marsh, who was the head Olympic coach for the women in Rio in swimming. Um, And he asked me um, to come speak. And he obviously liked what I had to say because he hired me to work with his team, which was a group of Olympians, team elite. Um, There were 17 of them. Um, And I worked with them for a year, getting them ready for Rio. 
and then after that started my business again and and thankfully it's it's taking off and I work one-on-one with mostly female athletes um but I do some male athletes too and then I also speak awesome yes that's yeah I'm the confidence piece is so fascinating I have to admit and so um, it's very interesting the way that you describe a lot of it because it's like, okay, I wasn't really that prime, you know, division one athlete, but we went there anyway. So what was that transition like getting into college and, you know, competing at that level for you? Well, that was, you know, it's funny because I am the type of person where, you know, if I have a goal, I will do anything (laughs) to get it. I mean, anything. And so when I got to Tennessee, I mean, I busted my butt. I did anything and everything. I did the extras. And then as I started getting great, or excuse me, as I started getting better and getting into that, um, taking the step, um, taking a step over the line from good to great, Mm -hmm. Instead of getting excited for finally being where I had always dreamed of being, it actually scared the crap out of me. And that is why I'm so passionate about what I do, because the confidence piece, you know, we as women especially miss it. Um, We struggle with our confidence so much. And mostly um, the underlying problem is our fear. And so, like I said, I'm proud of what I did at Tennessee, but there is absolutely no doubt Um, I missed out on some major potential because of my fear and not knowing how to handle it. Gotcha. And you uh, recently did a Facebook post about what a lot of athletes are feeling as they step into a race, right? And so how so many of them have doubt or they have uncertainty. Yes, Yes. So I was working when I was at Miami, um, kind of what got me into all of this in the first place, I was working with a young woman and she had a big wall up, right? She, she, um, she was struggling. She had actually transferred because she was struggling at another school. She transferred and was struggling at, um, Miami, which, you know, location rarely changes things. Right. So, um, (laughs) You know, as I, you know, tried to get her to open up, tried to get her, you know, to just be real with me. She had a big wall up, wouldn't get real and like to blame everybody else. And you can't blame her because that's what we do, right? When we're failing, we rarely go to ourselves, you know, what can we change about ourselves? We usually go and blame everybody else. And so that's what she was doing. And then after a few weeks of meeting with her and, you know, getting her to trust me a little bit more. And, um, she had a moment of vulnerability. And so I asked her, what are you thinking when you are standing behind the blocks, you know, to the listeners, if you've watched the Olympics, um, you know, they're standing behind the blocks, getting ready to race in other sports. It's right before you walk out onto the field, you know, right before you walk out onto the court what is going through your mind? And um, she closed her eyes and these three things came out of her mouth. She said, what if I lose? What if I don't go fast? And then the kicker was, what if I'm just not as good as I think I am? Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, I mean, my jaw dropped because how could this elite athlete, because it, you know, at one point she was one of the best in the country before her struggle how could this elite athlete have those kinds of thoughts going through your, you know, through her mind? And, um, as we continued to work together, um, 
you know, I learned more and more and more. And then I started asking other people, <laughs> what are right. you thinking? Um, whenever I speak, I have athletes write down anonymously, you know, what are you thinking when you're standing behind the blocks, when you're getting ready to compete? Mm -hmm. um, and 99.9% .9 of the time, it's pretty much terror. <laughs> you know, there is a lot of fear and a lot of what ifs going yeah. through our mind. And, and what I've learned about fear and why I'm so passionate about this is because everyone experiences fear, but everyone also thinks they're the only one experiencing fear. Right. And when you think you're the only one, you wonder, what is wrong with me? Am I weak? Is there something wrong with me? And in the sports world, we're not allowed to talk about fear, right? <laughs> because that makes you a weakling. Yeah. So it just continues to fuel the fire of you are alone in this. And um, it's very, very hard to be confident when you think that you're weak and you think that something's wrong with you. Right. Or we just feel like if we're feeling that, it must mean that we're not good enough or we can't achieve what other, we see other people doing. Because like you said, you feel like you're the only one feeling that, which means that everyone else that's doing good probably doesn't. And so you feel like, you know, which is not sure. the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember standing, you know, behind the blocks of Tennessee and, you know, there's eight lanes. And I remember thinking these other seven women are standing up here fearless. Right. Like they are standing up here so strong. What is wrong with me that I can't get rid of these fears? Mm. What is wrong with me that I can't be fearless? And every single time I talk to a woman, it's always the same thing. Like, look at her. I mean, she's, she's got it together. She's so fearless. She's so strong. What is wrong with me that I can't do that too? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, obviously I think we're all familiar with those feelings and I think that it's more, obviously a lot more common than we realize at the sure. same time, um, as an athlete, I had, the advantage in high school of being on a team that won a lot. Right. So mm -hmm. when I got there, um, there was already this history and, you know, people kind of just expected us to win. And so I was on the flip side of that in some cases where we would go into games and you could already tell that the other people expected to lose. So, sure. you know, even though, as you said, we're all feeling a little nervous before you know, certain competitions and we're all, you know, it, it, all those things come up, but I just knew that my opponent was more scared or that if I'm feeling a little bit nervous at, in this stage with everything that we've got behind us, then they have to be feeling at least as scared or nervous or whatever. And so, sure. so in my mind, I realized like it's actually, even though I feel nervous and, you know, a little bit uncertain it's probably an even playing field because I'm pretty sure the people on the other side are feeling the same way so for, for some reason my brain went there and that helped me tremendously because apparently you know if that's not what you're thinking it can be a problem right sure sure but it, sure you know what brings so much fear is failure right so when I'm talking to swimmers you know, you have these like eight-year-olds that just joined swimming and every time they step up on the blocks, they're going best times. Well, yeah. what's there really to be afraid of, right? Because you haven't failed yet. But mm -hmm. then he or she stands up on the blocks and doesn't go a best time. 
the next time they race, they think, oh no, what if that happens again? And right. fear enters the equation. I'm working with an Olympic athlete who, you know, in 2012 was, it was like a fairy tale run. Like everything went perfect, right? And then in um, a, a, a couple years later, everything started to fall apart. Mm. And so it's just, you know, it, failure that she had never had to deal with before. Right. And so, and, and she never really had to fear because she won all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, now she's struggling, you know, and she's not winning all the time. And the, not only what if I'm never as good as I used to be, right. But right. what if I get up and embarrass myself because people are expecting me to do great things. Right. Those are scary things to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So failure well, brings it. <laughs> correct. And in a sport like swimming, um, I would guess at a certain point, like you said, it gets, you know, in the beginning, like you're always doing better and better and better. And so you're always setting those new personal bests. But after a certain point, it gets a little tougher to do that all the time. Absolutely. Uh, and so uh, it's similar to, I can relate to that with strength training, because in the beginning, like you're growing by leaps and bounds and after a while the gains are more um less often or less frequent oh, and yep. or sometimes you plateau and or sometimes you go what feels like backwards for a little bit um same with track and field I ran track for a little bit so you know that's another thing where you're always trying to run faster but it doesn't always happen and, sure um and even just like one moment of breakdown in your form can mean the difference, right? So sure. you've got to actually, there's a lot of, I can imagine there's a lot of pressure to race perfectly every time and to get everything right every time you go out there, which, sure. is, which is intense. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it brings a lot of pressure. And it's funny because when you were talking, I was thinking, parents, Parents need to hear this yes. because parents, you know, of young people and every time they step up and they're doing great things and they're getting better and better and better. And then they hit a plateau that there is no athlete in the world that doesn't hit it. Right. There's no athlete in the world that doesn't fail at some point. But yeah. parents are like, well, what's going on? What's wrong? You know, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. I'm trying as hard as I can. I've just hit this natural plateau. It's part of the process, yeah. Oh and, yes, and yes, we yes. as as parents. Are you a parent? I didn't. No, I, okay. no. Okay, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so you've seen it. We as parents, um, it freaks us out. Gener like sure, generally. um, and and we get worried and we get concerned and exactly we're like, what's wrong? Is this mean that you know, like we take this moment or this period of time, and um. And our brain goes straight into, oh, my goodness, it's we're going to doom and gloom and this is going to be terrible forever. And, you know, sure, sure. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where parent brains go. And I think it's super important um, that any time our child goes through a difficulty or has those plateaus or has a bad day or a bad race or whatever, a bad game, um, like the like our mindset and how we perceive it and how we respond to that. Can, I think can make a big difference. What do you Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and let me say this. Um, when I ask athletes what they're thinking before they compete, you know, one of the top um, 
what ifs, I call them. Um, one of the tops, what, what ifs that I hear is what if I disappoint my parents? Mm. I mean, we want to make you proud, you know, I mean, just like you wanted to make your parents proud, you know, so there is a lot of pressure um, there already. And it's, and it's funny because when I'm working with an athlete, you know, a pro or even like a high school senior that is old enough to have a mature conversation with their parents and they're talking a lot about, you know, my parents are putting so much pressure on me and yada, yada, yada. You know, I'll say, look, you know, you're old enough now that you can have this mature conversation. And uh, 100% of the time when I tell, you know, this athlete to go have a conversation, when they come back to me, they said, well, I tried, but my parents said, no, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 100% of the time. So, okay. So that's super, that is unbelievable. Um, And an interesting realization. (laughs) Yes. Okay, this is what I wanted to ask you about, because I think this is a huge piece that many parents are, as you have just revealed, um, pretty clueless about. Like, what do you feel? And it's not intentional, right? Like, parents all, are always trying to help. We're always trying to help. Of course. That's not so helpful. Sure. <laughs> like, as helpful as we think. So I feel like there are so many different ways, and sometimes they seem insignificant, um, that parents are unintentionally undermining the confidence of their child. So you would say that's accurate, probably. Absolutely. And, And, you know, there are two things, when you're an athlete, there are two things that you will inevitably experience, and that is fear and failure. And I'm telling you right now how fear and fear and failure are handled in your home is the number one, you know, way of how, you know, we as an athlete or, you know, your child is going to handle their own fear and failure. And if it's not handled in a healthy way, then they are not going to handle it in a healthy way. And it's just going to bring so much more pressure. It's going to bring so much more fear and it's going to bring so much more doubt because what is wrong with me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and you said something earlier about how, you know, in the beginning when no one expects a lot or even when you started your college career and you were kind of, you know, working your butt off and then cross that line from good to great. Um, it gets sometimes that gets harder in some ways. So I'm going through that with, you know, my kids. They started wrestling in high school, literally just started. So they were. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, obviously, everyone expects, no one expects anything, right? And we obviously expected there to be lots of challenges. They were going to lose. They're going to have a hard time. They're going to, you know, learn. But then they got better. And then people started expecting them to do well, go far and to get to these places. And that actually was a lot more nerve wracking um, for me as a parent, (laughs) Um, getting to that stage where it's like, okay, now she's supposed to win and it's not so much that I'm worried about that like everyone else what my biggest concern was for her and how she was going to feel because you know how much work they put in right and swimmers got to be the same thing where they're out there and they're doing their thing and they're putting in the work because it's competitive and it's them you don't have a teammate that's gonna like bail you out or help you out um well in a relay sort of maybe but 
Um, but you've got to perform in order to get to where you want to go or to get those results that you want. And so when they've done all of that and then they go out there and as you know, um, one moment can make all the difference in any, you know, match. And so, or, sure. and that's a lot, that's intense. And, and, you know, it's not so much like, it doesn't matter. Like to me, and we tell her, you know, we're so proud of you just already, like everything that you've done and everything that you put into it and um, win or lose, like, it's awesome, right? Like you're getting out there, you're doing your thing. Um, but it's hard for me because it's like, if it doesn't go well for whatever reason, there's so many different reasons why, you know, and sometimes sure. the other person has a fabulous day and you're just slightly off. Right. And so sure. you don't, or you don't raise your best. Um, and it just happens to go the other person's way on that day. But the difficult thing for me as a parent is that I can't control how she responds to that. Right. And like, I know that she's going to be okay. Even, like in the long run that this sure. moment, somehow going to make her stronger and she's going to be you know it's going to be good it's just it sucks in the moment right of course so for me that's that's it's easy for me to have that mentality but then like I can't make her feel the same way sure you know so that's the part that I worry about Um, sure so what would you tell parents as far as when their child hits that plateau or when they may have a race that maybe didn't go the way that everyone thought it would or it was a disappointing in some ways outing for whatever reason? Um, what are some of the best things they could do immediately after that or during that experience? Sure. And I, and I think, you know, if there's one piece of advice that parents listen to, <laughs> it's this. Um, I call it the no tap dancing rule. Um, and what I mean by a tap dancer is, is we all have a tap dancer. When life is not going well, we're frustrated, you know, um, just, just things aren't going well. You know, we're, we're stuck in this plateau, things like that. And then somebody sees that you're struggling a little bit and they say, oh my gosh, you know, are you doing okay? And we start tap dancing and performing and saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. We don't want anybody to know that we're struggling. We don't want anybody to know that we're struggling with fear or doubts or anything like that. So we start tap dancing and saying, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And if we can create a culture in our homes where these kids are not allowed to tap dance. Mm. I'm fine is not going to cut it because when they have fear and when they um, have to somehow handle failure, um, because we're embarrassed by the failure, we don't want to talk about it Mm. because we're embarrassed that we're afraid because we're not supposed to be afraid as athletes. We don't talk about it. And we just keep saying, I'm fine. And let me tell you that all of those thoughts I, I I've, Learn that those, you know, when you're, when you're struggling with failure, when you're struggling with fear, when you're struggling with doubts, and we keep it in, all of those thoughts become like an anchor in our soul. And it's like, we go to take a step forward into our potential and we can't move. We're stuck, right? That's why so many athletes get stuck. But when we have the courage to actually speak, you know, we, we have the courage and we're in an environment that it's comfortable enough, right? They're going to love me. 
you know, even if I'm afraid, mm -hmm. they're going to love me even if I fail and creating an environment where they can talk about it openly and not tap dance. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a game changer because it does start at home. Yeah. Like this isn't a coach's thing. This is, you know, it starts at home. So if we can create a culture in our homes where I'm fine is not okay. And I know some, you know, parents of teenagers are like, yeah, easier said than done because <laughs> my teenager wants nothing to do with me. Yeah. Keep trying. Yeah. Keep trying, you know, be there in those, you know, inconvenient times that they start a conversation and you're like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Right. Be there anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get uncomfortable. Stay up late if you have to be there. Um, even in the inconvenient times. I mean, that is a game changer. I, I, that's awesome. And I think that for me as a parent, one thing that I know that I do or I have done, um, I probably still do, is that sometimes our children will come to us and they're ready to share something that's on their mind. For example, um, after practice, you know, I have had my child come into the car and then start telling me about, these things that are on their mind, like they're so frustrated with something or irritated with something and they share it. And my immediate response is to try to correct or fix it. <laughs> and um, then they're just like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said anything because now I'm in lecture mode, right? Because it's like, well, you know, you shouldn't be feeling that way because da 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 And it's like, okay. Then <laughs> the last time I did that, that I actually remember. Um, I told myself after, I was like, that was not <laughs> yeah. the best way to respond to that because that's sh that part of what shuts them down. It's not so much that they don't want to come to you, but like when they do, how we are responding in those moments gives them either more, like you said, makes them feel more comfortable the next time or gives them this idea like, oh my gosh, it wasn't even worth it to say anything. Sure. And, and I think, you know, because you love them so much, you want to fix it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I say to coaches all the time. There are times where these kids just need to speak. Yes. They don't need you to fix anything. <laughs> they don't need, you know, they just need to get it out of their souls, yep. which like I said, gets rid of that anchor. Yeah. You know, so I, I think how we respond or, you know, is so important and you don't even need to, you know, I think the number one thing is to make them feel normal, you know, relate to them. Oh yeah. I remember this time that I, you know, dealt with this or, you know, make them feel like how they're feeling is absolutely normal and valid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think, yeah, I've, I've definitely realized that I need to do a much better job of just listening. Cause like you said, sometimes all they need is to express it. They just need to get it out. And sure. um, even for myself, I've realized that too, like just saying it sometimes this thing that's bugging you or kind of getting under your skin, just saying it to someone that listens and just like, well, you know, and, and can allow that takes away a lot of that edge to it. Sure. And Especially for girls. Cause I mean, we know as women, sometimes we need to vent. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Yes. And, and I think, Okay, so one thing I recently realized, because what you're talking about doesn't only happen in sports, like this happens even in life, right, where we're feeling these things and how we tell people ask us, how are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm good. And for me, I realized that as an athlete in competition, I didn't want anyone to know if I was not confident or sure. upset about something, right? So like in the game, it was like, put your game face on. 
Um, and I always wanted to look calm and confident no matter what, right? That's kind yeah. of like a thing. But that became like what I do for everything. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's not always helpful outside of that competitive arena. So like in life, I'm having to learn now to let people see that or at least the people close to me that are going yes. to through it right to be able to express that and not have that game face on all the time yes um, absolutely so yeah so I think maybe for for certain athletes who are very competitive and have that great game face right where they always look like they're cool under pressure um, for them especially it may be more difficult um, outside of that to do what you're saying and sure verbalize that or to express it to anyone. Sure. And, and I always say, you know, when my athlete that, you know, finally broke down and told me what she was thinking, you know, behind the blocks, um, I always say, because after she said that she took this huge breath and just exhaled (laughs) and it was just this, you know, she was able to speak her truth and it gave her so much freedom. You know, it took so much weight off. She's like, thank God I don't have to act like this confident woman all the time. But, but the thing is, she didn't have to take a megaphone and go tell the world. She told one person and that changed her. I mean, that she had been stuck, you know, it's a long story, but she had been stuck for three years stuck. And it was just that, like, we didn't change training. We didn't change in the weight room. We didn't change anything. And she got unstuck and actually ended up doing amazing things and reaching all of her dreams. So it's so important to be able to speak to your truth or speak your truth. And it's not just an athletic thing. Like this is a human being thing, especially as a woman. Right. So finding that, you know, even just one person that you can fully trust because, you know, we have, man, we have some dark, embarrassing thoughts, you know, (laughs) we have some, really embarrassing fears and we just hold them in because we're embarrassed but to find someone that we can be open and honest with and we can fully trust obviously they have to be fully trustworthy finding somebody like that in your life and speaking man that's that's a game changer for sure and I think um yeah I think parents have a tremendous opportunity to be at least some of that you know maybe we're not going to be I mean, it would be great if we could be that person for our child and maybe they have more than just us. Maybe they do find someone else, even if it's a coach or, you know, some other mentor or something. Fabulous. But I think that parents, like we're there every day. We're with our child. We're there since birth, you know? And so if you can keep this in mind and really think about and be mindful about, well, who would you talk to? as a human being, right? Who would you want to talk to? And then what kind of traits does that person have? What would that person do when you said these things that were on your mind? And then really think about that and try to be that for your child. Um, That would be a powerful thing, I think, for athletes or for any human being, actually. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I grew up in a home where there was a big elephant in the room and we did anything and everything to avoid it. <laughs> We're going <laughs> under it and around it. We didn't talk about hard stuff. Mm. And that is why, um, you know, I think back to my career and I think if I had just had someone in my life to be able to speak these fears to, 
instead of just holding them in. I mean, what if, you know, and that, that's what I guess fuels my fire. Right. And so now you can try to help with that in other capacities. Um, And I will admit for the parents listening, I will admit uh, that when your child comes to you and they have these things going on and you know that they're not feeling confident and you know because that's what you want for them right you want them to be happy to be confident to be like on the top of their game and when they come to you and they're revealing that they're not that they're upset or that they're feeling discouraged or that they're feeling doubtful or they're not sure of themselves it's a very hard thing because it makes you very uncomfortable like we don't want our kids to be feeling that and so it makes us feel icky and crappy and whatever and I think we tend to respond from there. Like, that's why we want to fix it so bad because when our child is hurting, like it, we feel hurt. Right. And we feel all this junk. And so I will be the first to admit that it is a very difficult thing to not go there with them. (laughs) But um, the word intentional keeps coming up because if we do what we naturally want to do, right. um, Most likely we're going to, you know, fix it or, you know, give advice, anything like that. We need to be intentional that that word is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so I've, I've noticed even for myself with little things, like my five-year-old will come to me and he was so upset because he had wanted, okay. So he wanted, I don't know, we had gone to a dinner, everyone made their plate of food. It was like a buffet style and he didn't see like a brownie or something like we some other of his siblings had grabbed brownies he's like oh, I don't see I didn't see the brownie so I didn't get one and I told him oh don't worry sit down and eat we'll go and we'll go back and we'll get one after and I totally forgot and so we got home and he was almost in tears and he's like mom you didn't take me back to get a brownie uh... and I felt awful like I felt so awful because my kid was really upset and part of it was my fault like <laughs> you know part of it and and so my first response was like oh you could have gone and get you know gotten one yourself like I was trying to take the blame off of me because I felt so horrible in sure. that and and so like we do that as parents like we feel so terrible that our kid is going through this and to some degree almost in every circumstance we feel like there's we're partly to blame or we are at fault somehow and that feels terrible so we try to take it off of ourselves and so then we respond in ways that are just not helpful at all and I was sure. like gosh this kid is five it's a freaking brownie and I had a hard time going I'm sorry. <laughs> like I should have you know I totally forgot I should have taken you back and I'm so you know I it was hard to a sure. five-year-old to admit that um sure yeah, yeah. we go <laughs> we go through that stuff Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not a mom, but I'm 43. So all of my, you know, every woman I know is a mom and I have never, ever met a mom that isn't completely guilt ridden. Yeah. But again, those become anchors when we don't talk about it. (laughs) You know, I mean, we need somebody to talk to about that. I mean, to know that other moms are struggling to know, you know, um, and create a community or just one other person or whatever. Right. Again, it's, it's, it's a game changer. Um, not just for your kid, not just for you, but for life. And if we can release those things that are anchoring us as parents, like it, like you said, it changes the game because it changes everything we do. It changes how we 
respond to things, how we respond to our own children. And when they see us doing that differently, it allows them to learn how to handle it too. So yeah, you've got some really awesome stuff going on. So tell me about like, we've, we could talk for hours, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, Tell me about the confidence bracelets that you have. Okay. So where do I start? Let's see. (laughs) Okay. How did it come about? like what was the whole deal like why why did they come about okay so the the young woman that I was talking about that you know finally admitted her fears um what I noticed about her is that during practice whenever she would do something well you know I'd make sure to say hey that was really good and I always got a oh please it's not that good right um it it could have been a lot better and she was just never giving herself any credit and after i saw that then i started seeing it everywhere right i mean we as women we have big goals we are we have the courage to take steps toward those goals but we never give ourselves credit for those steps yeah. and another thing that i noticed is and and this is this is this isn't just a woman thing you know i think women um it's, we don't give ourselves as much credit as men do, but this next thing is both a man and woman thing. If we do 99 things right and one thing wrong, we're thinking about the one thing wrong, right? Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, and to feel confident, we need to feel prepared, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's, we need to know that we've done the work to be great. But the problem is, is that we never give ourselves credit and we're only focused on the bad stuff we're doing. So how are we ever going to feel confident, you know, how are we ever going to feel prepared? And so for whatever reason, back in the day, I envisioned our confidence as gold, gold nuggets. I have, you know, I have no explanation for it. (laughs) It just, (laughs) that's just where my mind went. And I, and I said, you know, if you take a step toward your goal and you actually give yourself credit, you gain a gold nugget, you know, take a step toward your goal, give yourself credit, gain a gold nugget. And so when I was at Miami, what I did is I put a bucket of gold beads and I put them in the locker room. And I said, anytime that you take a step toward your goal, take the gold bead and it, and it almost um, can be like visual confidence. So, or a reminder of the work that you did. And in the very beginning, I said to them, um, I said, you know, you take it when you take a step toward your goal. I said, but if you see one of your teammates do something well, you can, you can give them a gold bead because I thought it would be great, you know, for our team to build each other up. But what I quickly noticed is everyone was handing them away. No one was taking them for themselves because we can always see what everybody else is doing. Well, that's not hard at all. We always see what everyone else is doing well, but we never give ourselves credit for what we're doing. And so I quickly changed the rules on them. And I said, "Uh, uh-uh, no more giving them away. You have to take it for yourself because at the end of the day, your confidence is your responsibility. It's no one else's, right? I know parents, you instill it, but your kids at some point are going to have to start to build it, you know, for themselves. And so um, what I did is there's, there's an Olympic athlete. Her name is Katie Miley. When I started working with her, she was not an Olympian. Um, she was actually paralyzed with fear, uh, a swimmer, you know, behind the block, she was paralyzed with fear and she and I started working together and she started figuring out how to handle that fear. Right. Cause I, I don't believe in fearless. Like you're going to have to right. figure out how to <laughs> handle the fear. Um, cause it's coming if you're under pressure. Right. Yeah. So as we started working together, um, um, she figured out a good way for her, 
uh, one of the things that she does is she writes down 10 reasons why she's going to swim fast before every competition. Mm -hmm. And so when the fear comes, you know, she's like, oh, there it is. Right. I knew it was coming because I was prepared for it. Now I'm going to shift my focus from all this fear and shift it on to those 10 reasons why I'm going to swim fast. So everything started coming together. She ended up making the Olympic team in 2016. And so I knew that when she was going to Rio, that she would be overwhelmed with fear. I mean, hello, millions and millions of people are watching you. Like, you know, for an Olympic sport, this is it, right? And so what I did is I created a bracelet with 10 gold beads. And those um, 10 gold beads represented the 10 reasons why she was going to swim fast. So any time that she felt fear or anxiety or started doubting herself, which you inevitably do when you're under pressure, she could look at her bracelet and be reminded of those 10 reasons. Well, that girl never took that bracelet off the entire time (laughs) in Rio. The only time she took it off was when she was swimming and she said she even kept it at the top of her swim bag so she could even catch a glimpse of it, um, you know, when she was swimming. So it just became a really important part um, of her success. And so when she came back, I was like, well, we need to make more of these. So I ended up making some bracelets with one, um, I call them confidence nuggets, gold nuggets, confidence nuggets. Um, I ended up making, I think there are 13 bracelets now and the other ones have one, uh, confidence nugget. And then whatever color you choose represents a statement. There is, I am determined. I am full of strength. Um, for women, we need this. I am enough, right? Yeah. The world, the world works so hard to make us feel like we're never pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, successful enough, right? Yeah. I am enough, just as I am, and wearing that reminder. Um, I am a fighter. I am uh, fierce. I am bold. Like I said, um, I am worthy. There's there's thirteen different bracelets, but those are definitely my pride and joy right now. Um, mm-hmm. Because they work. Like, yeah. I can't tell you Great. how many stories I've heard. Great. And it's, and it's not a, only just for athletes, actually. Like, you know, I hear people are like, oh, I, br- I you know, I brought um, or I bought a bracelet and I had a big interview. And so before that interview, I just kept looking at my bracelet, you know, and kept reminding myself, I am full of strength or I am courageous or, I, you know, um, so I'm really proud of them. It's been, yeah. it's been awesome. So where do people get that? Okay. So, well, my website is coach Kristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N.com, coachkristen.com. And there is a link that um, you can um, click on, on my website, or you can just go straight to that website, which is confidencenuggets.com. All one word, confidencenuggets.com. Awesome. And where can people find you on Facebook if they want to stay connected or anywhere else? Sure. Um, my Instagram, I'm very, Instagram's probably my number one social okay. media and it's coach underscore Kristen. Um, and then I do have a coach Kristen, um, Facebook page and that's not necessarily directed toward, um, athletes that's directed toward women, gotcha. um, and our worthiness. Awesome. That's awesome. That, Cause that's, that comes even up for me. Like even with everything that's gone on and people are like, you know, I have eight kids and they're like all this stuff. And, but it's still like, I think we all deal with those things. Like you said, like being enough, it's like, no matter how many things you do, right. You're focused on the, what I didn't do. And that's common. 
um, sure. for athletes and even for parents. Like we'll see a report card come home. And of course, the report card's fabulous, except one thing. Well, what do we normally focus on? And so um, I think for me, I'm always encouraging people to really even we talked about intention, be mindful of that and be very intentional about what your where your focus is. Yes, it's, it's very easy to just go to the negative that's what our brain tends to do it wants to identify what's wrong and fix it or correct it um and so I feel like it's it's a practice something that we can get better at when we absolutely continue to focus on better things or more helpful things and um and I and I encourage people like you know it's not something that you do once and then you're good (laughs) sure um, sure I'm I'm having to, throughout the day, even redirect, right, and kind of get back on track, if you will, or what have you. Absolutely. So, so just because you're not there all the time doesn't mean that you're failing or terrible or not with it or whatever. It's it's a sure. con- progress. So I think I love what you do. Um, it's thank you. Awesome that you've got this stuff going on for athletes and for women. I've got to check out that your Facebook page because I don't know if I'm connected with that one. But okay. Uh, but thank you so much for taking time. There are so many things we could dive into. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could talk all day on this stuff. <laughs> um, so I may want to bring you back later because I've got so many questions that I didn't even get to because uh, what you were speaking on was so awesome. And we just kind of went with that. But I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for being here. And I hope that someone listening or, you know, if we can get one person to to feel and to kind of just step more, let go of those anchors and step more into their potential and, and be, you know, everything that they can be and want to be. That's just like, that's what we're here for. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate you. And thank you for being here and we thank will you. stay connected and, and uh, let's see here. And um, I will put up the links also. Um, when I post this and I will let you know when it's ready so that you can share it with whoever you have that may want to hear what you shared here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I appreciate your time and thanks so much. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.